This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone. This week, I'm together again with Anva's chair of the board, Christina Boardman from Wisconsin. Christina, welcome back to the AnvaCast. Thanks. Always great to be with you, Ian. So this week, we have just wrapped up Anva's spring board meeting in Arlington, Virginia. We sure have. Great attendance. It was engagement. great attendance, great discussion. Um, yeah, we had nearly perfect attendance at the, amongst the board members, and so that was fantastic. We did have a jam-packed agenda, mm-hmm. um, and we can try and break down some of the things that were accomplished. But as I said last time we talked about the board meeting, I think people can feel very um, confident that they their interests locally are being represented at the board. So great discussion. Um, lots of great work was accomplished. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that, about some of the highlights that members and stakeholders would want to know about board discussions, board decisions. Um, Obviously, a a key part of any association's role is fiduciary oversight. Um, And obviously, a big chunk of the board agenda is always about reviewing Ampus finances, whether it is globally and how we're doing, you know, against the budget for the year or with key systems. Um, What might be some of the financial highlights related to either how we're doing globally against the budget for the year or some key systems and how things are, are operating there? Yeah, Wendy and her team, the finance team, share lots of great information. And I think, um, you know, we had information on the forecast, how things Mm. are looking compared to the budget that we did set up for this fiscal year. Things are looking really good. Our reserves are looking good. A couple of the topics that got some additional attention this week were um, NIMVITUS and we had money set aside for modernization as we do with all of these important systems. We are finding that the spend rate on some of those modernization funds is moving a little bit slower than maybe we anticipated with the money that was going in. And so the board did talk about that. Um, They were ahead, um, ahead meaning we had about $2.1 million in uh, in funding for FY24 that we think will not be needed for that modernization schedule. And so there was much discussion about that at the board and the decision was made that money came in from the jurisdictions and we wanted to move it back to AMVA's undesignated reserve so that we can identify other prioritized needs mm-hmm. for that money that will help the jurisdictions. And what's cool about that decision is the, the money that was set aside, which was original member money that had been in reserves, collected through different means, was set aside for an invitus. And now that it's not necessarily needed for that, it could go back into that pool for other member priorities. That we don't know what that is yet. That'll be a future discussion for the board. But it, you won't, we're almost uh, repaying ourselves on that Nimvitis investment. Yes, jurisdictions have made lots of investments for these systems over the years. And, you know, many years ago, not all states were on Nimvitis. And so this was a big decision that was made to to get that money in there and for the modernization. And so we have been tracking that very closely. Like you said, we don't know what it will be used for. Um, There are lots of emerging needs amongst the jurisdictions and how AMVA can help on that. So there will be more discussions in the future on that. But for now, yes, the decision has been made that when that 
funding is available, we'll move it back to that undesignated reserve. Now, another system that I know there was a lot of conversation about, and we had our partners here uh, from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, Uh, we talked to FMCSA about the financial model that supports SIDLESS. Yes, SIDLESS, another important federally required system that we um, all are using and depend on. Um, And it was great to have um, Earl Adams Jr. from FMCSA come Mm. in and talk to us about that. There has been some, um, we've had a funding model for for many years. We all know how the SIDLESS fees work and those go to AMVA and we have money to support that system and of course to modernize it going forward. Um, There has been some um, different interpretations going forward on how that money needs to be, how it needs to flow, and are there some legislative changes that we need to be looking at? Um, and so, does that money need to go into the federal transportation fund, and and will AMVA have a sole source on that? So this was a really, again, a good discussion. There are some reserves there. How is that going to move? What's that relationship with the feds? Um, we are working right now on an MOU to try and hammer out those additional details um, and the procurement on this. So lots more discussion to occur, but we do appreciate um, Mr. Adams coming before the board and, and really speaking very honestly about what they're working through, the timelines and making all of this happen and, and how we can make sure that the system remains robust and funded the way we all know it should be. And in both cases, the Mvidis and Silas, in, in the meantime, uh, members of the jurisdiction level won't see any change in terms of what they're doing, their invoices, and the way they're paying. This is kind of some of the administrative back end that the board has to work with with these programs. Absolutely, yeah. So jurisdictions don't need to be doing anything different. Their invoices are not going to be looking different in the next few months. So, yes, this is some some um, back office things on how the accounting is working, and we just want to make sure that all members' interests are represented in that. Excellent. Yeah. So, uh, you know, transitioning to some of the key programmatic areas that I know the board looks at uh, each time, uh, we've talked in previous episodes about the constantly emerging and demanding area of identity management. Um, And when we spoke after the, the January meeting, you know, we had some conversations about the new you know, position, the new vision that the AMVA board has taken in terms of AMVA taking a more aggressive role in helping to chart the path of, you know, the future of of identity management. Yes, identity management is a growing and complex topic that is regularly changing. Um, Some of the things that have recently happened is that the Digital Trust Service is live, and Mm. that happened about a month ago. That's something we've been talking about for a really long time, so that was an exciting development. We do have, um, AMVA has three staff people that are dedicated to identity management, but we're finding that the needs are are large and jurisdictions are looking for additional guidance. Um, We always talk about identity being a public good and that motor vehicle agencies are the authorities on that. And so we need some additional help at the jurisdiction level on on how to manage this changing environment and what tools that we can have to help with that. And so um, the decision was made to provide some augmented resources to this area so that Um, really the jurisdictions can have additional tools Mm -hmm. at their disposal, whether it's best practices or um, talking points on on how other states are doing it or just, you know, pulling some of this information together from the jurisdictions as an information sharing. But yes, 
Things are regularly changing. We want to make sure that we're doing the right things and being very responsible and managing this digital um, identity space. And so this this was a, a big significant investment. We did talk about it in January. The board wanted some additional details. And mm-hmm. so um, credit to the AMVA team and the, the staff people that were working on that really diving into what we would get from these additional positions and what we could expect in the future and a timeline for doing so and what that would cost in terms of a additional staffing. Mm-hmm. And so all of that information was shared. And I am very proud to report that the decision was made to move forward on that. So people may see some um, job postings coming some up job soon. postings, yeah, yes, on this very exciting topic. And, yeah. and yeah, so I look forward to see how this comes together in the next uh, year or so. Yeah, I think it'll be exciting to expand that identity management team um, to, one, do what you said, provide those new resources for the members, but to better uh, represent the jurisdictions in these conversations in this ever-expanding ecosystem. Every time we turn around, there's a, a new stakeholder, a new coalition, a new group that's trying to get into this space. And it gets back to your point, Christina, about the, that credential that starts with the, the, the DMV as the issuer to make sure that that voice is being heard. Um, it'll be great to have that extra bandwidth to do that. Absolutely. So also in the programmatic area, you know, you uh, we always report back on uh, with the, the committees. Our driver, vehicle, law enforcement committees all have, you know, big key projects that they're working on. Um, are there some highlights out of the committees this time, time around that folks might want to know about? Those committees are complete workhorses. They mm. are always very busy. And so, you know, they came out of the, um, the law conference, um, and you know they meet in October to get all of their groups together to talk about issues coming forward. Um, but yeah, we heard reports from each of those. And so first we heard about the driver um, standing committees, and and yes, they're keeping busy. And you know there is some overlap between driver and identity, and we talked mm-hmm. about that. On the vehicle side, um, we did talk about a new policy that has been suggested, and that new policy is on the illegal use of certain MVA products. So Mm -hmm. that is something that um, AMVA members will see in September when we get together. And then finally, we heard from our law enforcement standing committee, um, and they had some awards that they were talking about and maybe streamlining mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of the process there. So there were some decisions made on that. But but yes, lots of great topics have um, have occurred over the last several months, and, and we look forward to hearing more about that when we meet in September. Yeah, I think especially, the, you know, so the that the membership meeting will vote on the new proposed policy. I know folks in um, Regions 4 and 1 have already heard about it because they've had their meetings. Region 3 will have their roundtable soon. Region 2 has got their conference coming up. will be an opportunity for members to ask questions and understand it before voting on it at the uh, annual membership meeting in September in Madison. In Madison, More about yes. that later, but yes, yeah, can't, can't resist the plug the plug there. Um, and some changes to the fraud awards program, which will be effective next year, so we don't have to worry about that quite yet. Uh, Christina, one of the reasons why the board has traditionally always had this meeting um, in the D.C. area uh, near AMVA headquarters is to try to take advantage of meeting with some of our federal stakeholders or D.C.-based coalition partners that maybe we don't always get to travel to other meetings when we're not in in the area. Um, Before I ask about the specific partners, for those that are listening, why is that important for a board? Why is it an important thing for a board to be able to have that FaceTime with these partners? 
I think it is essentially important. And, you know, when we hear from those partners, we know that we have a shared vision. We have a very important codependent relationship. We're working Mm. on the same things and we need each other to accomplish those things. And so being in the DC area, we want to make it as easy as possible for those federal partners that we are working from, for giving them a chance to hear from motor vehicle agencies um, on our priorities and how maybe their laws or programs affect us Mm -hmm. and how we can be more efficient moving forward. So again, this this meeting, it used to be in April, this year it was in June. Um, it is important to pull those people in and have that FaceTime. Um, so one example is the one you mentioned, having Deputy Administrator Earl Adams. Not that FMCSA isn't always present at our events, but to have you know a senior executive come and, and spend time with us, you know, makes it a, you know, a little bit, bit out of the ordinary. And I know we talked a little bit about the SIDLIS piece, but, you know, there were some other key uh, shared priorities that, you know, the deputy administrator was able to chat with us about. Um, what, what strikes your mind that stucks out of that from that conversation? Yeah, we talked about a lot of things. And he had also been involved recently in the CDL coordinators meeting. Yeah, so we were very Houston. happy to, to have him again talking to us. One of the topics that was discussed was, um, of course, the stability of SIDLIS, that funding. Mm-hmm. We also talked about the entry-level driver training oh, yeah. and, um, and that process. And there were some questions about, you know, when we see questions or concerns at the jurisdiction level, what is that feedback loop and getting back to FMCSA to make sure that they are making sure that those providers are, are um, handling everything correctly. So that was... Um, good to hear his perspective on that. He he did tell us, and I hadn't seen this figure before, that there's about 35,125 ELDTs out there. Yeah, I would never have thought that the number would be that high, that there's that many entities that are doing this training. Yeah, so that was, you know, the ELDT was a, a big deal. We were concerned that we weren't going to have enough that are signed up. So mm-hmm. it was nice to see that they are getting signed up. But we did talk a little bit about that feedback loop to make sure that they're doing their jobs properly. He also spent some time talking about the DOT equity plan and Mm. that he is looking for input on this issue to help improve services. And so there's some, you know, surveys that are out there for comments, but this is, of course, an important underpinning of everything that we do. And so it was nice to hear that that is top of mind as we're moving forward. Um, And then I'm thinking forward on other things. Yeah, so I, again, great discussion with him. He was very generous with his time and we were able to talk through all of those issues. Great. And so also from from USDOT that FMCSA is a part of uh, was NHTSA. And again, it was an example of where we were able to have an engagement with a senior executive from NHTSA that we don't always uh, get a chance to chat with. Yes, um, we were able to speak with Dr. Shaolin Chen, and she works in a lot of the data programs, crash data at NHTSA, and so it was really great to have her share some of that perspective. Also talked about things that are important to NHTSA, being recalls and, and the role that motor vehicle agencies have on that and making sure that we're all sharing that information seamlessly back and forth so that we can keep mm. those Um, cars that are on the road, keep those safe, keep information about our drivers, um, sharing that across the states. And and I think we all know through state to state driver history record, we've made significant improvements in that area. And so it was nice to hear her perspective on that. And so, you know, you're bringing that up. I'm going to jump a little bit out of order, but you mentioned state to state. It's another area where the board had some discussions and took some key actions this week as it relates to state to state and the driver license compact. 
Yes. So people may remember that um, at last year's AIC in Baltimore, there was a decision to merge the compact and um, identify state-to-state driver history record as a as a means to fulfill those tenants of the compact. And so we had some additional action that we took this week um, that people will hear about, um, primarily those user agreements that had been out there for the compact that hadn't been updated in a while. There was one out there for state-to-state. So modernizing that language to really pull those together. And then also um, the finances. There had been, you know, a budget for the compact, and we all are paying. Um, those of us are participating state to state and driver history record. We're we're paying those fees, and so talking about the governance of that, the finance integration. We we took a couple votes to move forward on that information, which again will be shared in September for member review and approval. So for this integration to happen, we've needed three three key votes. One was the state to state governance committee. One was the board of directors and then one's the compact membership so this is two out of the three are now done yes <laughs> and uh we'll get the third one at the compact membership in september yes at the aic yes in, in madison, madison. <laughs> it's gonna be a thing watch for your invite <laughs> yes so uh back, back to the the federal partners um outside of dot we had our friends from homeland security come by we did and there have been some um, some changes in terms of organization there, and so the Real ID program is now part of TSA, and so we heard from the new director there, and um, it was nice to hear about her views on the program, how that's working. Um, her name is Simone Davis. And she also brought Steve Kozar, who has been a, a longtime friend sure, to the yeah. AMVA community. And so um, talking about what that date is going to look like in 2025 and that they are not looking at that moving at this point. Of course, we all know stuff happens, <laughs> but it is not their intention to move that date right yeah. now. Um, another thing that we talked about is... Um, you know, that equipment that they have at the, um, that TSA is using at the airports. The, new, the, the cat machines. The cat yeah. two machines yeah. and um, the speed at which those are updated. We know those are important mm. tools for the, the TSA agents because that helps them um, read the credentials that they're seeing. Um, she did share that they are collecting some interesting data right now. It's totally anonymous, um, but, you know, they are trying to get a handle on what they're seeing at checkpoints right now, whether it is a, a Real ID compliant product, whether it's a non-compliant product, if people are coming through with passports or other Real ID acceptable documentation. We know how many compliant, non-compliant products generally there are, um, but coupling that with what actually people are bringing in their wallet and mm-hmm. going through the checkpoint mm-hmm. with um, will be, again, um, interesting data to help us at that 2025 date as we're going live. Um, but some additional information on those cat two readers we it's we all know we have um, we have hardware out there and it's as good as the software that's on it mm. and so we talked about the timing at which people are making changes to their physical credentials they're rolling out new mobile driver licenses and IDs and so we we talked about the process for updating those readers that are are at the airports because we want to make sure that our customers, um, DMV customers are not inconvenienced when we make changes to our car that are in the best interests of 
reducing fraud, increased security, that those can be read by those readers. So um, we think this will be a topic of discussion going forward. TSA's perspective right now is that they they really need a six-month head start on on sharing those credentials so that they can get it into the software and and that you know got some pushback from the members on on how that works and and you know when we're rolling out new card design changes really the the timeline for making that available we don't feel like six months is reasonable so we um, gave some perspective on what that process is to us and and what we would like to see going forward so um, it was a good back and forth, and yep. I think that conversation's not over, but sure. um, we all know that there's lots of changes coming, and, and we want to tell our customers the right information. We don't want them inconvenienced at the airport, and I'm sure TSA doesn't want their agents, you know, having to do anything with a secondary screening, et cetera. So I think we all want the same things. We're just fi- yeah. figuring out how best to make it happen. Yeah, and there's also some good conversation around that same equipment as it relates to the mobile driver's license. Um, we know it's not everywhere yet, and we're waiting for it to get more places, but to make sure that in the places where the equipment is supposed to be, that that equipment is being used. Yes, um, we have obviously a number of jurisdictions that have spent a lot of time and energy getting that mobile DL out there. And we are hearing from people that are in airports that have the equipment to read the MDLs and they're being asked for their physical credential. Yeah. And obviously we know that the the security of having that digital credential is 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 higher and, and we want to get to that and we want to encourage compliance with that. We want to encourage adoption and if consumers are not um, being able to use that, that's going to slow down the adoption rates yeah. going forward. So, Especially if it's in a place where you were told you can expect to use it. Yes. Again, we know that that equipment is not everywhere right. yet. They have a plan for that, but we know where that equipment is and we um, want to be sure that if people have taken the time and energy to get that digital credential provision to their device, they should be able to use it in that environment. Yeah. So the last federal partner was um, a new individual, but a organization that we've worked a lot with over the years, Department of Justice, particularly the Bureau of Justice Assistance. They're the ones that have oversight for the NVIDIS platform. Um, we've not had a direct conversation with the board and BGA in quite some time, and so it was, it was nice to hear a, a new voice um, on the phone talking to the board. It was um, Director Carlton Moore from DOJ, um, and he had uh, originally been in Ohio, mm. and he actually worked with one of our or worked um, one of our board members, Charlie Norman from Ohio, yeah. um, had a, a relationship with him previously too, and so that was nice to hear about that. But yes, DOJ is an important partner. We talked about Nimvitus. That is a system that they own and we rely on and you know we are going to be modernizing that system going forward and so we really need that increased communication so yeah unfortunately he was unable to be in person but it was nice to have him on the phone to to make that connection and to talk about those issues so being in the dc area we were able to get in person some new stakeholders or some returning stakeholders that we don't see necessarily on on a regular basis um, one of those was the Governor's Highway Safety Association. We we work very closely with them as association to association, but they're not necessarily the standard partners that come to our, our board meetings. Yes, um, and this was my first time meeting him. So this was Russ Martin from the Governor's Highway Safety Association. Um, and so 
primarily at the state level, he's working with our highway safety offices. Yeah. And sometimes those are closely connected to the DMVs. Sometimes they're elsewhere in the department. Sometimes they're in another agency. And so, but this is an important relationship. We're both focused on highway safety and making sure that we are moving forward on programs that or that complement that mission. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and we, as an AMVA board, had talked in the last year about making sure that we are regularly connecting with those highway safety offices in our jurisdiction so that we can um, increase that communication. So that was really nice for him to come to the board and give his perspective on that as well. Yeah. And then another one that was really a, a, a new player to the board, though she attended the AIC in Baltimore, was uh, Trish Hendren from the Eastern Transportation Coalition. This was a great um, conversation that we had, and we know um, in all states they're having the conversation about transportation funding mm -hmm. and, and the, the path that that has taken, um, primarily being funded through the gas tax, and we have more efficient vehicles. And um, so how are we going to fill that, that gap between what was collected before for um, those gas vehicles? And, of course, there is there is also going to be a rise in electric vehicles mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. they're not paying that fee at the, the gas um, pump. So we have a few states that are out there that are, are looking at this issue, are collecting data from their um, vehicle owners in terms of miles traveled and how we need to better coordinate on that. And so we know on the the big truck side, the mm -hmm. motor carrier side, that there are efforts to coordinate that on registration and fuel tax to make sure that everyone gets their share right. for those miles that are being driven. And there was a lot of discussion on, um, yes, we all know this needs to happen. We don't want to make it up as we're going along state to state. And so hearing what some states have done, their successes, but also remaining focused on a national kind of blueprint for yeah. how this is going to look that if we're all going to be collecting this data and sharing it let's let's not do it a whole bunch of different ways so yeah. let's coordinate on that so i really appreciated what she had to say and it gives kind of opened our eyes to the the role that motor vehicle agencies may need to be playing in this and making sure that we're connected on those conversations in the future. Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, the, one of the more interesting parts of it is even though it's transportation finance and the DOTs are really traditionally driving that conversation to know if we're going to go something that's more user-based, um, whether your DMV is part of a DOT or not, you're going to end up somewhere in that equation of getting data, moving data, collecting something, um, regardless of whether it's something that's completely government controlled or a public-private partnership, um, the DMV is going to end up being part of that stakeholder group. And it was interesting to hear from someone from the outside say, hey, DMV, we, we need you here because you have to be a part of this. We are the front door of government <laughs> yes, in many ways. And um, we have that conversation with the customers. We are collecting funds from them already. We know what cars they're driving. Yeah. And we're regularly um, working with them, often on an annual basis for that registration. Yeah. So, yes, it's a very natural relationship. And, and I'm pleased that we are looking on how we can better coordinate in the future. Great. Am I forgetting any any highlights? I think we've hit a lot of them as I think about our last couple of days of, of discussion. Um, a lot of a lot of engagement, a lot of involvement, a lot of discussion. Um, any highlights I'm, I'm forgetting to ask you about? Just 
A couple others that I wanted to mention, of yeah. course, we always have our Canadian partners with us, mm-hmm. not only on the board, but we had um, CCMTA there. So Allison Fredette. Allison Fredette. Yeah. And it's she, okay. She, Allison, it's okay if you're listening. She was about to say your maiden name. I could see it. I could see the R coming out of Christina's mouth. So I just helped her with the married name. Thank you for that. Allison Fredette. And we also had her colleague, um, Quay Quay, who um, is very involved in the International Record Exchange and that committee that works through CCMTA on that. So this is how we want to make sure that we are very modern and efficient when we need to share data on our customers to ensure that driver safety and those tenants are being upheld. We are looking at those agreements that are out there. And so um, it was nice to have that face-to-face conversation as well. Great. Good. And finally, on a, on a sad note, I need to point out that this was Ann Farrow's officially her last board meeting. Yes. So we took, a, again, a little bit of time to tell, celebrate her and to, um, yeah, make sure that she's feeling the anvil love and, yes. and all that she's done for us, too. Yeah. So even though she's she's not done for another few more months, it was her last board meeting as CEO. Um, she's got a couple more conferences. Um, and I believe she's promised to, to come to Madison. Oh, I cornered her. Yeah, <laughs> I cornered her and she tells me she's going to be in Madison. But, you know, we're going to take the celebrations as we can. Absolutely. So, yes, we've got um, lots more time with Anne, but we did want to recognize as a board that this was the last time um, yeah. as, as CEO with that board meeting. Absolutely. So, speaking of Madison. Madison. All right, you're hearing it now. I believe the registration should be open. It so. is open. I can I can confirm it. Uh, yeah, fantastic. So go to the Anva website. Lots of choices out there. We want to see you. There, the hotels are out there. You are going to be blown away at how awesome Madison is, and I cannot wait to welcome everyone there in September. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I was blown away when I visited. It was my first time there. So much more amazing than what I ever would have expected. It's it's going to be very cool. All right, see Christina. you all there. We'll see you there. You'll be back on here before then, I have no doubt. Um, but until we'll then, we'll see Ian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very good. All right, thanks all right. for thanks, having Christina. me. Thanks, Christina. Thanks everyone for listening this week, and thanks always to our producers Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone. Stay well. Thank you for joining us for Amvacast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.